Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden. A really cool show for you guys today. We have former Falcons wide receiver Brian Finneran joining me to break down a variety of Falcons topics, um, including their matchup this weekend against the Bucks. Uh, Brian does a great job on uh, 680 The Fan as part of the locker room, their morning show, and he's somebody that as a kid growing up uh, rooting for the Falcons. How could you not love Brian Finneran? So I was really excited to get the opportunity to talk to him um, and just kind of hear his thoughts four games in to this season for Atlanta. Before we get to my conversation with Brian, I just want to kind of take a second to explain why I think this game is a very interesting opportunity for the Falcons that I don't know if it's going to change a lot of people's minds on the outside. But I think if you kind of know going into this game where the strengths and weaknesses and styles and all of that stuff line up for these two teams. Styles make fights, right? That's something that the NFL, people in the NFL say a lot. These styles match up to really be another heavyweight fight, similar to what we just saw this past week, but in in a real strength-on-strength opportunity. So I'm going to dive into everything that I just uh, said in much more detail right after today's messages. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting, props, and futures. So head to bet online or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet and use our promo code believe 50 that's B L E A V five zero to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts. All right. So to put it very simply, the Falcons best part of their team right now is the run game. Not just volume. They've had two games with 200 plus yards. They're coming off of one such game. They seemingly got it everywhere from rookie Tyler Algier to a practice squad promotee and Caleb Huntley. One play from Avery Williams, a former defensive back. The way this offensive line is playing, it kind of doesn't matter. As Ovi said in our wrap up show, if you listen to that, thank you very much. If not, you're missing out. As he said there, they could have put me behind that damn offensive line. That is how well the offensive line is playing. But You look at this Tampa Bay defense, and yes, they just gave up a crap ton of points, 41 to Kansas City. They really got just sucker punched right out of the gate, and and sucker punched is is the wrong term because Kansas City just took it to them, but they got jumped. They got jumped in the alley, and the way that that game unfolded really dictated, I think, what Tampa was able to do offensively. It put them in a bind. It was exactly the game plan Kansas City, I think, wanted to unleash on Tampa, but Through the first three games, that defense had been playing lights out. But here's where the wrinkle really comes in, because we know the Falcons run the ball. They like to run the ball. In fact, 
They have both the highest number of rushes of four plus yards in the NFL and the highest percentage of rushes to go at least four yards in the NFL. Their EPA is is off the charts, um, running the football on early downs especially, but they're incredibly effective throwing the ball as well. Um, Their success rate is pretty high throwing the ball. It's just that they're not throwing the ball a lot because they're really picking and choosing their spots. Tampa Bay, far and away, the best part of their good defense is their coverage ability. Makes sense. You've got Devin White, reigning defensive uh, player of the month in the NFC. You've got a really good secondary, Jamel Dean, Carlton Davis, Mike Edwards, Antoine Winfield Jr. Of course, Levante David is next to Devin White. So they've got all these guys and they really like to rush the passer. It's what they like to do best, pin their ears back. It's kind of why Kansas City took them out of the way they wanted to play their game and and totally did to them what they want to do to other teams, which is build a lead and let this defense feast, get some turnovers, lay these big hits, really just pin their ears back um, and go after the other team while the offense is efficient and kind of slowly chokes the game away. And that is what the Falcons are are up against. And everybody would look at defense at the defensive line for Tampa Bay and say, you've got Vita Vea there in the middle. You've got these kind of big hulking defensive interior linemen, but they've not been very good straight up the middle um, this season. In fact, you know, kind of the weakest part of their rush defense has come right up the gut. Kansas City has gotten a number of or Kansas City did get a, a number of kind of big runs just right up the middle there. Clyde Edwards Alaire had a had a big one, if I recall correctly. So yeah, the Falcons are down Cordero Patterson, and that's going to be huge. But I think they're going to have a lot of success because they can run some of these traps, counters. They've got the athletic offensive linemen to make it happen. So if the Falcons can continue to be efficient and really force Tampa's defense kind of out of their game plan, the same way that Kansas City kind of forced Tampa's offense out of theirs, then I think things could get really interesting because initially looking at this game, not going to lie, I kind of was feeling like 34-17 Tampa. And I think that there's still a pretty good chance that that is how it ends up playing. But one thing that we know about Arthur Smith and, and this team so far is that they have been pretty good at coming into each game with a specific game plan, a, a way to kind of beat these other teams that may not seem obvious necessarily on the surface. I think that even though, you know, these are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, even though Tom Brady is, is there on the other side, their best bet, I think, is still to do what's been working for them. Even though they're down Cordero Patterson, even though Kyle Pitts on Wednesday started the week on the uh, injury report with a hamstring injury, and, and that is something to monitor. I don't have any information uh, for you guys right now on that. Otherwise, you know, we'd be be spending some time on it. Um, but Brian and I are going to get to that a little bit later on. So that's why I'm kind of passing over that for right now. Tom Brady, for what it was worth, also on the injury report to start the year off. I don't think Tom Brady's missing that game. So um, moving moving right along. But if if Atlanta is able to keep these methodical drives going, get these four plus yard carries and stay winding or stay grinding this defensive line down, not allowing them to pin their ears back, let them get frustrated. These linebackers are very adept to coverage. They are very good at defending the run as well, but this team has done a great job of getting number advantages from unique places. And so I think they can mitigate some of the talent at the linebacker position. 
And then you're kind of taking the secondary out of it, which has been the strength for Tampa Bay's defense so far this season. Once you lull them to sleep, that is when Atlanta has been very good about attacking with the pass. And that is why their success rate is actually weirdly high. It's kind of up there with like the Chiefs and the Bills and these top offenses, even though we're all sitting here wondering, should Marcus Mariota be benched? Because it's how they're choosing and when they're choosing to go to their passing game. So you're kind of picking and choosing when you want to attack Tampa's strength of their strength, the secondary of their defense. Otherwise, what is their perceived strength? It's their defense, but their weakness on defense is the run game, which matches up perfectly with Atlanta's kind of most effective so far approach offensively and really the style that they want to play. They want to pack it in tight and then they want to get creative to create angles that the defense doesn't see coming. And they've done that very, very well so far this season. And then that allows you to protect Marcus Mariota a little bit and you get to dictate to the defense. Here's what we're going to do due to you. And then we're going to pick and choose our spots and we're going to get the matchups that we want. And that's when we're going to choose to attack your strength. And so on the surface, yeah, this looks like Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin getting healthy, Russell Gage back out there, Leonard Fournette in the backfield. What can go wrong? The offense has not been that good for them this season. Tom Brady, 7.7 uh, air yards per attempt. It's kind of among the lower half so far this season. He's still got the completions up, only one interception. So he's taking care of the ball. He's getting the completions. He's doing all of that stuff that we know from Tom Brady. But I think we're seeing teams drop back into coverage, play this zone, take away these deeper routes that Mike Evans, Chris Godwin feast on. And Tom Brady has no problem checking it down, getting it to these short, the tight ends, the backs, the wide receivers underneath quickly. If Atlanta can improve its tackling, which was a huge weakness against Cleveland, and I expect will be a huge emphasis for them this week, if they can clean up their tackling, I really think they can make the Bucs march the ball down the field and weirdly play the exact style of game that the Falcons want to play. I think the Falcons would be perfectly comfortable being in another 20 to 20 game in the fourth quarter against this team. And we should, if they kind of play that style of game, win or lose, I think that will say as much as anything about actually how good this team is. Win or lose, if they can force Tampa Bay into the style of game that they want to play. Last week, it was easy. Cleveland wanted to play that style of game. I don't think Tampa Bay does, but Atlanta's strength secretly matches up against Tampa Bay's strength in a very interesting way, but I don't know if people are going to totally understand that coming out of this game, but that is what I think everybody should be looking for on Sunday is, is can the Falcons wrestle this game away from Tampa Bay and make them play it on Atlanta's terms? And that's what I'm going to be looking for. So let's get into my conversation with Brian Finneran. We're going to talk a lot more about the Falcons, answer some of these big questions, Kyle Pitts, the quarterback situation, how good is the offensive line been, defensive surprises, things like that. It's all coming up right now. I am very excited to be joined now by a true Falcons legend, one of the all-time fan favorites of this franchise, and honestly, a fan favorite now in his radio career. It is Brian Finneran. Brian, how you doing, man? Good. Well, how you doing? How you been, buddy? Been well. Uh, it's exciting. The Falcons are two and two. But I, I want to start with maybe the most uh, pressing question on the fan base's mind right now. During the Falcons crusade this offseason to sign every tall receiver um, in the league, 
did they or did they not reach out to you to try to bring you back on a one-year deal? <laughs> I was not. They did not reach out to me. I have, oh. uh, if, if they did, I would have taken my name right out of the mix. When you, <laughs> <laughs> but I did. I did like the idea of those big body receivers because I don't. Know, I think I think it gives a quarterback um, a little extra advantage as far as what they're looking at. You know, you had Julio and Roddy <clears throat> for a handful of years, and Matt was doing it. Mm-hmm. And now you give Marcus an opportunity to have guys like Drake London and Kyle Pitts and you know, a couple other guys that were that were in there. Um, so I thought it was a nice idea, and it looks like those are the type of bodies that um, Arthur Smith wants on that receiver core. So, but you, it's always he also says the keys is a nice player too. So he 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 yeah. appreciates football players. I think is the key, but he also probably has a lean towards the big guy. Well, I think it's interesting in kind of the way that it looks like he likes to run an offense is run game, run game, run game. If we're going to take a play action shot, it's going to be down the field. We're going to try to get chunk plays with those explosives. So you get either these small, fast guys like a Demir Bird or an Alameda Zacchaeus, or you get these kind of like big, tall, athletic playmaking dudes who can make the contested catch. And I think that's what we've seen so far. I mean, Drake London, how impressed have you been through four games? Quiet game last week, but I think so far he's played really well. I like his style. I like what he's done. Nice big catch radius. Um, looks like he runs good routes. I don't think he's going to blow you away like um, a young Jamar Chase or um, Justin Jefferson, but he's a nice enough player as a young player in the NFL to make a serious impact if you can get him involved. And I think they're trying to. I wish they would have found a way to do it a little more efficiently, both both him and Pitts. But the one thing I noticed about Drake when I looked at some of his college film and watched him up at training camp for up flowery branch with the Falcons this year, he just, he always seems to go upfield. I never see him really go backwards. Um, mm. Catches the ball, makes a guy miss, catches the ball, gets hit, falls forward. Um, go Guys like that sniff out the end zone, sniff out the first down marker, refuse to let one person bring him down. So, I really appreciate Drake in in that part of his game, along with all the the athleticism and jumping ability and other stuff. But I really, that tenacity he shows not going down early is what I really like about him. He shows that tenacity in a couple of ways. I mean, I think he's a hell of a blocker. I think he's kind of underrated in that that, um, facet of his game, but also, you know, that tenacity kind of got him in trouble against the Browns with the face mask penalty, but you kind of live and die with that. You'll take that because you'd rather have a guy that you have to pull back, as Arthur Smith says, then really motivate and get them uh, going. But let's pivot a little bit. Some breaking news kind of right before we got on. Kyle Pitts, I guess, didn't practice on Wednesday as we record with a hamstring injury. You know, obviously, it's way too early to tell. There's still the rest of the week to go. But given that Cordero Patterson is already on IR for this game, and, and we'll touch on him in a second, how big of a loss would it be for this Falcons team that's looking to win three in a row uh, if Kyle Pitts is even hampered, let alone not able to go? It's a good question because I don't know that I have a definitive answer. They haven't attacked him. They mm-hmm. barely targeted him like they should. Was he four targets last week? One catch, 25 yards or something. Before that, yep. it's two catches, two catches, one catch. It's It's been a um, colossal letdown as far as what we thought he would be after what he and Matt Ryan put together last year in, the, in his rookie campaign. So in that regard, I mean, in the passing game, which is – really struggled for the Falcons in the first few games. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much it'll hurt you. He hasn't done jack. So 
I'm just kind of, um, I love him in the passing game, but it ain't working so far this year. So in that regard, I don't think it hurts him at all. Uh, in the run game, I don't think he's a great blocker. Um, so maybe, I don't know if they bring somebody up off the practice squad. If he in fact doesn't play or a couple of the other guys that are already on this roster, Parker has, he gets, Parker has, he gets more snaps than he's already getting. I'm going to, I seriously want to, <laughs> it is insane good for parker hesse doing yeah. what he's doing but i think it was 46 snaps last week which is 36 too many in my opinion but the guy they love him they love they what do. he brings to the table he's a hard worker he can blog he can run some routes catch the ball i guess he's a like a bit. coach's kid on this yes, roster it's, it's, he's literally just like a coach's kid blows my mind so i think teams key on kyle pitts defensively but I don't think they need to as much as they've been doing. I think that's evident from what we've seen the first four weeks. And I do kind of wonder if some of that has played into their their way they've used him so far this season. You know, if there was any time where defenses were going to really key, it's after an offseason of everybody saying that he's going to be like the best tight end in the league. So maybe there was some cat and mouse. But I want to pull that thread a little bit as a former receiver in this league. From a confidence standpoint, and he said all the right things after the slow start. But... At what point does that start eating at you? Because you can't really control if you're going to get the ball or not. So how do you stay in that positive mindset that when the ball does come my way, I'm going to be at my best? I mean, there's no excuse for him not to get seven or eight targets a game. There just right. isn't. Um, on my radio show um, on 680 The Fan, Joe Hamilton went back and um, kind of logged the 19 pass plays that they had last week against the Browns. I think it came up with like 15 or 16 with play action pass. You just, it's so hard to get everybody involved when two guys are running real routes in a right. play action game. I mean, running backs are faking, tight ends are blocking for a split second. They can't get all the way down the field. They can run drag routes and crossing routes, I guess, but I don't think they are because they're not throwing anything to Kyle Pitts, which continues to blow my mind. But um, I don't know. The passing game has been a head scratcher for me for sure. So, I'm not sure if it'll get any better or worse or what they're going to do. And, and um, Arthur Smith has, has this identity, and it's working. I mean, they should be 3-1 and one if, they do, if Marcus Mariota can hang on to the ball for the love of God um, <laughs> at some point in the fourth quarter of a game, whether that's not throwing an interception or fumbling it for whatever reason. Right. So I like what this team has done so far. And, um, and I think there's still some really – there's a lot of room for improvement on both sides of the ball, which is good for a fan, I think. Yeah, it is. But there has been a lot to like as well. And we're going to end the offense with the quarterback situation. So don't worry. But but first, I want to talk about, you know, what they have done well, and that's running the ball. Two games of, of 200 plus rushing yards. Cordero Patterson is going to be out. But I think we saw last week that it may be the offensive line that is actually the driving engine of this run game and not necessarily any single running back. So how much does Patterson his absence play into any type of expectation for this run game against Tampa Bay on Sunday? I think you'll miss him. He's another one of those guys that runs with a, a love of the game that I he just does. enjoy so much. I mean, the hurdle he had a couple weeks ago, I think it was. Um, yep. Maybe You never see that, guys land that either, and he landed it perfectly. Perfectly. I mean, 31 years old, big athlete. Um, again, loves the game of football. And you win with guys like that. I think that's why Arthur Smith loves him. I think behind him, though, and Caleb Huntley and um, Tyler Algier, Algier, you got a couple guys that 
kind of fit the same mold, a little different size and shape. But watching Huntley run, again, I go back to training camp. You just kind of get a feel for guys when you watch them in practice. And you can tell he loved playing football, finishing the runs 30 yards, 40 yards down the field, hitting the hole super hard, kind of hot feet can make guys miss as well. And then Algier is kind of a bigger back that looks like he loves playing too. And he's a draft pick that these guys liked and uh, Terry Fontenot and and Arthur Mm -hmm. Smith. So I like that one-two punch with those guys, similar backs, but just as angry as the next guy and and love getting downhill (laughs) and love getting the ball in their hands. And I love football players like that. Yeah, and they've got a lot of chances to play angry against guys more their size because this offensive line is getting them one-on-one situations with safeties and corners and not necessarily defensive ends and linebackers. Uh, So that's always a really big benefit, I think, for guys coming out of the backfield. But quarterbacks, you have, you know, you've played with some quarterbacks at various points of their careers. But for Desmond Ritter, I think the best case scenario for any Atlanta fan would be that the team makes a change because Desmond Ritter is now the right person and the right answer for this team, as opposed to Marcus Mariota kind of becoming a problem, right? So is it possible in practice as a player to kind of show that you're the answer or do you have to do that in a game? Like what kind of, what are the coaching staff, maybe what are they looking for to see from Desmond Ritter before they really feel comfortable putting him in there? Um... It's a good question. I think it's really hard to do it from practice. You've seen him enough. He played quite a bit in the preseason, so you got to feel mm-hmm. for how he handled the huddle, uh, how the plays got in and out. Was, was he understanding the playbook? I think in in practice and in film study, you can really drill into a guy and get a feel for whether he can, can handle um, situational football, whether that's a two-minute drill um, where you're trying to go score a touchdown before halftime or the end of a game, a four-minute drill where you got to watch the play clock kind of tick down to seven, six, five, and not get too antsy and snap it at three. Mm-hmm. Um, how does he handle all those situations in practice? And game is obviously where you want to see that. Um, can you learn enough in practice at this point? And I, and I don't know. It's a good question. I think if he was the right guy um, – He'd either be in already or you're going to see him in the next few weeks, I guess. Um, I think it was a tough five-game start to this season, even six-game, I think, with Cincinnati. uh, Coming up after Tampa, I believe it is. And then you got Carolina. So if that's what you're thinking about and you think he's the right guy, is that when you pull the trigger? Do we have Carolina, like, pretty close to three weeks? Yeah, so it's – it's it's going uh, it's going Tampa, then it's San Francisco, okay, yeah. then you've got Cincinnati, then you've got Carolina. Right. But you play Carolina twice in three weeks. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm thinking. If you do think he's the guy and things, for whatever reason, get a little bit sideways with this next little run of Tampa, San Fran, Cincy, um, and, like, and, and you think he's the guy, then I think you pull the trigger at that point, especially if Mariota's still doing some of the head-scratching stuff you've seen so far in the first four games. Um, and if you don't think he's a guy, then maybe you hang on for Mariota until he either gets banged up or really late in the season, then give Ritter another chance. So it's a good question. Um, I don't think you can learn enough in practice. You can get a, you can get a more comfortable with the player in practice as long as he keeps doing the right things. I think mm-hmm. a lot of players do that. You show your positional coach and your head coach, especially if he was an offensive-minded guy like Arthur Smith, that you can handle – situational football you can handle like all of a sudden in practice i think it was smitty or coach moore maybe both of them 
they blow a whistle or blow a horn and all of a sudden it'd be like an uh, immediate change of possession. So even mm-hmm. if it was a defensive ball or uh, practice period or offensive practice period, they'd stop everything. They say minute, 20 seconds left on the clock. Off First offense versus first defense on the ball, the 25-yard line. You got one timeout, go. Now the coordinators have to get their ish together. The uh, defensive <laughs> coordinators got to get this stuff together. And then you rock and roll, and you see how they handle situations like that. So you, it's possible to make it close and make sure they don't freak out. Um, and, I, and I hope they saw enough in the preseason. And, and I, I liked what Ritter did. I think he's a yeah. winner. I think he showed us that at Cincinnati. I, I think he I think he showed a lot in the preseason, but it is just like kind of any job is you've got to show that maybe you're ready for more responsibility. It just so happens that in the NFL, that more responsibility could be the difference in being a backup or a starter. Um, so let's talk real quickly about this matchup on Sunday against Tampa Bay. The winner will be in first place in the NFC South, which seems insane that we're talking about that. But it's week five. That doesn't mean anything. Um <laughs> That being said, when you look at Tampa Bay's offense, obviously Tom Brady's the headliner, but Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, Russell Gage, Leonard Fournette, like a lot of offensive skill weapons here. Atlanta's defense, I think, has done okay throughout the the start of the season. They've kept them in games, but, you know, they haven't necessarily been dominant. How would you approach this matchup if you're Atlanta's defense going against such a loaded offense? Well, they're banged up. You got Julio Jones um, trying to get back on the field again, which seems like I know, uh, unfortunately. All over again, unfortunately for him, because I love the guy. I want to see him out there playing. Maybe not right. this week, but in the future. <laughs> uh, Tom Brady got jacked up in the shoulder uh, last week on a strip sack, so I hope to God that's bothering him. <laughs> Leonard Fournette's big old back. you got to bring your pads with you if you're going to hit him and, and bring him down. And I like our linebackers and our, and our outside backers to set the edge and do that. You just need a couple more plays throughout the course of a game, and they've had the opportunity to make a couple of those plays late in games where they've come through. Um, D. Alford, I like how he plays. I think Grady Jarrett, the, the two in the two wins that they've had, have, has come up huge um, with sacks and pressure on quarterbacks to help either force interceptions or put them in down and distant situations where they're desperate and they got to throw it up, and our guys have come down with it. Um, at times, uh, what drove me crazy? Was it the New Orleans game when it got soft? Uh, drove me nuts watching the first half of the Rams was kind of disgusting uh, what they did to us so mm-hmm. there's been moments though there's been moments the first three quarters against the Saints was freaking awesome I was in the building and um, crowd was into it I was into it I thought they looked great and then he let us slip away on TV watching them in Seattle and uh, and um, in LA uh, yeah. they had their moments but Listen, uh, the defense against Tom Brady and Tampa Bay, bring your big boy pads, get ready for anything. Got to get pressure up the interior. Uh, so that's Grady Jarrett again, uh, which he's done before against this guy in a big moment. So, and then somebody's got to make a play. It's got to be a tip pass. It's got to be a uh, strip sack like you saw last week. And, um, and hope to God Tom Brady's divorce settlement doesn't make him so angry that he wants to kill everybody, <laughs> including the Falcons on the football field <laughs> this weekend. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's the last thing is you need uh, need him with a chip on his shoulder for right. whatever reason out there on the field. Um, but you mentioned, yeah, the interior pressure. I think obviously the game script played into this a lot on Sunday night, but Kansas City did a great job getting to Tom Brady with four guys or at least getting him uncomfortable with four guys. And I think mm-hmm. it could be a little bit of a similar script for Atlanta is 
make him drop the ball off underneath to the backs, to the tight ends, and don't let Mike Evans and Chris Godwin beat you deep. And then like Grady Jarrett, hopefully um, wreak some havoc on the interior and maybe get one or two sacks to keep this awesome start going. Um, Before we let you go, though, Brian, I am one half of this podcast. Uh, The other half is Ovi Mahaley, who I believe you know pretty well as a former teammate. So I just got to ask, do you have any good Ovi Mahaley stories to uh, leave us with before we get out of here? Oh, man. Ovi was such a character. Uh, I love Ovi. He was a great teammate. Um, Played every special team pretty much. He was a core special team guy. Um, (laughs) He he has got a little Hollywood in him, which doesn't really matter. My flavor, but he, he worked it well. He could he could he could hang out with the Hollywood guys, and he can also yuck it up with the uh, the lunch pail and, and lunch boss guys as well. Because that was kind of the attitude he had when we got him in from Baltimore. He came in here and was one of the good players that opened up holes and and had that um, had that job. Not a lot of guys wanted to do in the fullback position. A real fullback too that would open up and take on middle linebackers and, and bang with people a lot. So. Um, since we stopped playing, we lived in the same neighborhood and it was, he kind of lives, it's a big neighborhood here and he lives on the other side of the hood a little bit. And, um, for whatever reason, we'd go to these different events, golf tournaments, community events, and we'd always see each other. So I, we'd see each other like three or four times in a six month period and not one of them would be in our own neighborhood. So that was a running joke between Ovi and I. He's like, we got to leave the neighborhood to go see each other wherever the hell we're going. So <laughs> uh, it's been funny. But he's been over here with his kids. Um, they've run around, played with my dogs in the front yard and seen him at the pool running around as well. So Ovi's doing great. Um, he could afford to lose some LBs. Keep keep him on his diet over there. Whatever you got to do, Will. Stop feeding the pizza and, and beer, whatever you guys are doing during your podcast and uh, and do it. But I love him as a teammate and he's a good friend and um, and will be for a long time. Uh, well, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely pass it along. I appreciate any uh, good Ovi Mahollywood, <clears throat> sorry, Ovi Mahaley <laughs> um, stories that we can uh, we can get. But Brian, I really appreciate the time you uh, gave an excellent breakdown. I think of of a lot of the cool aspects of the Falcon so far, and some of the not great ones. Um, so again, thank you so much for joining us. All right, well, thanks for having me. All right, well, that was a treat, wasn't it? Thank you again to Brian Finneran for taking the time to hop on and break down the Falcon start with me and give a little bit of a taste of maybe what's to come on Sunday against Tampa Bay. I will not be here for our recap podcast on uh, Sunday evening, which will go up Monday morning. I am going to be on my baby moon with my wife. Uh, we are heading down to Nunya and we are just going to take uh, some time to relax next week. So I have kind of turned the reins over to Ovi. I set him up for success, already made the link, kind of gave him the instructions, all that good stuff. So hopefully you guys are in good hands uh, and that he will. I've given him free reign to invite whoever on, whoever he wants to on the podcast to, to chat it up about the Falcons Bucks game. Um, so I'm going to try to get him to uh, to hold to that. And hopefully you guys will have maybe a potentially all player podcast coming your way bright and early on Monday morning. So please be on the lookout for that. Otherwise, uh, I will be back probably late next week with a preview of sorts. May have a guest. May it may just be me giving a rundown of of what's happening. I don't know. My uh, I'm, I've already got you know baby moonitis, so my head is on uh, on the vacation already. So apologies for that. But I will definitely be checking out Sunday's game because 
the Falcons are in a fight for first place in the NFC South. And yeah, we're only five weeks in and a lot is going to change between now and the end of the season. But I think heading into week five, I definitely did not expect that this would be uh, on the table for Atlanta and the way that they've looked. Maybe it's worth getting excited about games again on, on Sundays. Maybe. I don't know if I'm there just yet, but the door's creaking open. And, and maybe, maybe I can let a little bit of hope back into my heart heading into each weekend that things won't be so bad. So that's all I got for this week. Uh, again, look out for that podcast Monday morning. This podcast is presented by Bet Online as always. Get excited for the weekend, get excited for football. And until then, everybody, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton to adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.